Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. Hello. Hello. What is up, man? We finally get to record. <laughs> yeah, it's been a bit. It's it's just been a chaotic day. <laughs> I've been do- I've been day drinking. Fair warning here. So, <laughs> <laughs> when, so I was I was saying uh, to Nikki earlier. It's like it's not that strange. Like I used to record a podcast pretty regularly at this time on a Monday, but we don't usually. Rec- we always record on Sunday mornings. It's like that's when I talk about Shield. I know <laughs> in, in a weird in a weird way. It, it we're like kind of out of our our normal schedule re- recording at night. And it's, it is weird. <laughs> Shields for Sunday morning. <laughs> oh, man. All right. This we're starting ep- uh, season three uh, with this episode, which is very exciting. Um, I really like this season and I'm hoping that through this rewatch, I can I still like it because I feel like I really liked season two. And then by the, when we rewatched it, I was kind of like, oh, there's a lot of stuff in here that I don't care for. <laughs> I'm confident that we'll still like season four. By the time we're done with it, we rewatch it. this one, I'm less sure because of uh, of soup money. Soup money. <laughs> We're just going to call him that from now yeah, that's, on. That's, that's definitely my shorthand for Lincoln at this point. Oh my god, Lincoln it's, Campbell. That's you know, you just know it. Just look on it. the look on his face. You know that guy. He's like, well, I don't really have to worry about college because I have soup money. Yeah, I don't have to work for Shield. I have soup money. <laughs> All righty. Before we get started, uh, we are part of the, uh, we the we we. <laughs> This is why we record in the morning when I haven't been drinking. We <laughs> are a part of the But Why Though podcast community. So be sure to check them out on Twitter at But Why Though PC and their website at But Why Though Podcast.com. We are super proud to be a part of their community. All right. This is season three, episode one, titled Laws of Nature. This was written by uh, Jed and Mo, um, directed by Vincent Missiano, and originally aired September 29th, 2015. Um, it's a good long break because I think May was when season two ended. Yeah, I guess. I this is unusual for them to be airing during the summer then because season six is on right now. I didn't realize that. Yeah, no, because it, it, it does. It I mean, we, we had an entire year without any. Yeah. Which is not usually how uh, they've, they've always started in the fall in the past. It, or, or I think maybe, maybe once they start a little later, like in the winter or whatever. But yeah, yeah. No, this is super weird right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, for more than one reason, it's super weird. Like the timing and the content is super weird. Oh, yeah. Without getting into any of the new stuff, like it is bonkers. It's the weirdest yeah. the show's ever been. Like in yeah. some of it in a very good way and some of it in a, like a, you guys are mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So this episode starts, if you remember, we have... Terrigen fish oil at large in society, which of um, course that's why it's called laws of nature because that's like right? when you think of the cycle of nature and and everything you think of fish oil. <laughs> yes, you do. Um, so we're we're in this apartment and there's a a bunch of fish oil capsules spilled on the counter and there's like this house is a mess. There's like an empty terrigenesis shell. Um, the person who is in it is clearly out of the shell and we look outside and there's fires and there's helicopters coming and then we go to the street and there's this guy running around freaked out and a, like essentially a SWAT team. It's not actually a SWAT team because it's not police, but a SWAT team shows up with guns and they're like hands in the air and put your hands on the hood of this car. And he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And he like makes these guys guns melt And then he makes the car melt and the car explodes. So he runs away and then they shoot at him and then they chase him. And Daisy, well, we're we're calling Sky Daisy now because that's what she wants to be called. So Daisy makes this rad appearance and she like, we don't see her at first. We just see everybody flying away as she's quaking them across the alley. And then she shows up and she has that like side profile with her hands out. It's like superhero pose. It looks so good. Um. She's got a new haircut. Her hair's short. And this is like the quick look, right? Like the short hair with like well, she, in, the black in the suit. Com- in the comic, she, she'd previously always had really short hair. Like she's never gotten as short as she uh, has in the 
in the comic. I, I think this like, is as short as it gets. Yeah, and, well, and she does definitely have like, and, and at this point, they take cues from Chloe and 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 the shows look a little bit, but uh, you know, it's not it's all back and forth. But this is like the close. The, this is she's taking steps further and further, and at this point, it's being called Daisy, so she's becoming that the comic character for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So Daisy shows up, and she's like, "Hey, dude, what's up?" Uh, and Mac and Hunter are with her, and um, they like let off like some smoke thing smoke canisters to like to shield them and then um they bring down this containment box and they put uh this guy in the containment box and daisy's trying to be like dude we're here to help you um don't worry just get in this box we'll join you in a second and the box shoots up into the air and it goes into this new plane quinjet thing which looks super fancy um and uh, Mac, Hunter, and Daisy are on the smaller Quinjet getting ready to join them. Um, meanwhile, back on the ground, the, 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 quote, SWAT team is super pissed. And this woman shows up in a, in a black SUV and she rolls the window down and she's talking to them about how disappointed she is that they didn't catch this one. And Coulson is in the crowd and he's taking photos of her. So we know that she has some significance. On the new plane, I don't know what to call it. Um, and I didn't see that it had a name in the Wikipedia. So we're just calling it New Plane. <laughs> um, the new Inhuman is named Joey. And he's played by Juan um, Pablo Raba. And he's in this box. It's like a containment box. And Daisy's kind of giving him this quick rundown of what happened to him. That basically, like, um, his he is physically changed forever. And he should just rest. He, his body needs rest. Um, and, you know, they're going to be in the air for a few hours. So, she'll be there if if he needs him and or if she if he needs her lord um and he's super freaked out um but uh he does listen to her and he lays down and relaxes and then colson shows up and we learn um from colson that um this isn't the first inhuman that has popped up and they're disappearing and they don't know who's taking them there's at least five that have been taken they don't know where they are. And then we cut to a scene of the woman from the car walking down a hallway with one of her SWAT dudes. And she's like kind of awesome. Like her dialogue makes her seem really badass and she seems really smart. And then she walks by this room with, that has a window and there's a bunch of dead bodies, which we're assuming are the Inhumans. And there's like six of them. And so we're like, wait, what? What's happening? Back at the playground, um, the container goes down into this room that's like white and pristine. It has like a bed in it and like a dresser and stuff. And Bobby is standing there in a lab coat waiting to greet Joey. And she, she's like, oh, you're Joey. I'm Bobby, which usually goes it's, – it's short for Robert. But in this case, it's Barbara, which is even worse. She like makes this joke about her name. And Joey's like, look. I, apparently, like Bobby has done some research on him. She like looked at his Facebook page, so she knows a little bit about him. And he's like, "Don't act like you know me." And she's like, "Well, I just, you know, I, I, I do know this about you because of social media." And she's like, "You know, from what I gathered, you seem like someone who cares more about who cares about people and doesn't want to see them get hurt." And so he asks um, if anyone is anyone was hurt, and she's like, "Not as far as we know." Um, and we find out that he's also queer. He had a boyfriend. Which, if this was actually part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, would have been the first yeah. character. But it's not really. Yeah. And we, <laughs> we don't actually see it. a relationship. We just, it, it, I don't, the guy's not dead, but he's not, they're broken up at this point. Yeah, thank, so. thank God he's not dead. <laughs> well, like, yeah. easily they could have had him die in, as a result of his powers or whatever. And they're like, oh gosh, I'm I glad know. that's not what happened. I know, me too. But yeah, so um, yeah, so he he is going to stay in this room for the time being um, until they can check on him and make sure he's going to be okay. Um, and we find out from Hunter that these people that are uh, coming after these Inhumans are not Hydra, but they are well funded because their weaponry is 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 very good. Um, and the woman that Coulson saw. Um, she has all these aliases. So they do a search on her and she's been with the CIA. She's been with the military. She's been with NASA. She's been everywhere and she, all under different names. So they have no idea who this woman is. Um, and Coulson asks Hunter to give um, the gun that they found on site to Bobby to like analyze in the lab. Cause apparently Bobby's working in the lab now, as we could see from her, her coat. Um, and Hunter's like, 
oh, no, I don't want to do that. Uh, that's not a good idea. And meanwhile, Coulson, as he's taking his prosthetic hand off, is like, wouldn't want to make you do anything that would make you uncomfortable, would we? And it was just like comedic gold. This episode has so many good comedic moments in it. And it was just like a... And and as this was happening, I was like, are you serious? Like, now what? Like, now what are they fighting about? Why are they upset? Like, they were fine at the end of season two. What's going on? Um, And it's funny, too, because Coulson mistakenly calls... Daisy Sky, and he's like, "Oh, I keep doing that. It's you know, it's really hard to get used to it." And Mac and Hunter are like, "No, it's not that hard. It's just you," <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> that is a weird, like, if that that feels like a ribbing dad moment. Thing. I know, I know, it's totally a dad moment. Um, so we find out that Joey's name is Jose Gutierrez, and um, Daisy and Mac are partners now, and they go and talk to them, talk to him. I don't know how to do pronouns today. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been getting every single pronoun wrong. Um, and uh, Joey's like, oh, you know, are you like the good cop and he's the muscle? And she's like, he, he's like, actually, no, um, she's the muscle. And Daisy calls Mac a big teddy bear, which is kind of true and it's kind of sweet. But anyway, she explains Genesis to him and she's like, look, we all like – we have some type of alien DNA that's just been activated and we call ourselves inhumans. Welcome to the club. And Joey starts hysterically laughing and he's like, this is ridiculous. And he's like, so when can I go back to my old life? And Daisy's like, well, you can't like you, you can't go back. And he gets very upset by this. He's like, I like my life. He's like, I finally have gotten to a place where I'm comfortable and I feel good. And what do you mean? I can't go back. And um, he starts getting violent and um, Daisy has to quake him down. Um, And it's really sad because that's super relatable. Like, can you imagine like you're in like a super bad place and then you finally get your life together and all of a sudden something like this happens and you're like, oh, my God, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, what do you mean? I didn't even do anything. This just happened to me. Ugh, super relatable. Um, So Bobby is in the lab and she kind of hates it. She wants to be back in the field, but she is still doing rehab for her knee. And um, her and Coulson are discussing the Terrigen fish oil and this, like you know, the laws of nature type of thing. Like, how far is it spread? Um, like, what's it, what is it doing to the wildlife and and the ecosystem? Things like that. And we find out that um, Fitz is in Morocco, following up a lead on the monolith, which is that giant stone that sucked Emma jump. Sucked Gemma up at the end of season two, well, and I, I like the uh, the whole bit with Bobby and working in the lab. Uh, I, uh, there's even like a line where Colson I think says something about using her biology degree, and I, I like that as a comic book shout out because I, I mentioned when I did her little when she was first introduced and I did her comic book connections. She was originally introduced as a Man Thing character That's as right. one of the Shield scientist, or no, sorry became a man thing character i think she was maybe even originally introduced as a kazar supporting character who's their tarzan yeah uh, either, either way she was a shield scientist to start. that's cool yeah yeah I, so it's like i remembered it, that yeah it's it's weird but it's it's neat yeah um it is cool but she's not digging it um and mac is worried about Fitz because he's like dude he's what is he he's off you know, on another adventure again. And um, it's funny because Bobby is analyzing the ballistics from the gun and she's just like starts shooting in the lab when everybody's in there. And <laughs> it's, it's kind of loud and jarring, but it's very, a very Bobby move. So it's funny. Um, and also we find out that um, Hunter is not talking to Bobby for some reason. So there is something weird going on between them. Um, and we go to Tangier, Morocco, and Fitz is playing spy because it's fit and i mean he's actually very good at this but it's still it still seems to me that he's like a little kid dressing up in his dad's suit you know like i don't quite buy it even though he's like he he plays this very well so he's like going to this dealer in in morocco and he's like i need to speak to the man in charge he has this briefcase that he's going to give him in in exchange for something and um they bring him in to this guy and he's like playing hardball um He's like, I will give you this information. I'll unlock this case if you give me the information that I need. And they're like, why don't we just kill you? And he's like, fine, but you won't get what's in that case. And he's just so desperate to find out what happened to Simmons. Um, he's willing to just, I don't know, just play it like this. Um, and he says that he's looking for a piece of parchment. He's essentially 
traced the monolith through history, any mention of it through history. And he is ended up here because this man and his insurgents stole a piece of parchment from Iraq and it has information about the monolith on it. Um, And so they make the deal. They open the case and they're what he thinks are splinter bombs, but they are not. They're like some type of, I don't even like EMP shockwave type things that like go off and allows Fitz to escape with his life. <laughs> it was definitely some, some kind of sci-fi thing. Yeah. Like it disabled them, but Fitz was fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he escapes with the parchment and he's fine. Um, so we go back to the playground and Daisy and Mac are just not doing well with Joey. And Daisy goes to Colson. She's like, look, there is someone who is even better at this, who is the best at this. And we need him. And she's talking about our favorite <laughs> Lincoln. <laughs> um, they need him to help with intake. Cause that's like what his job was at afterlife. Plus he's a, 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 a medical doctor who can like, help with the physical changes that some of these people are going through and apparently they've asked him in the past and he rejected it before See, so they're like <laughs> the, the key you have to have no stress or worries in your minds you have a totally open open mind so you can help these people transition and you can only achieve that by having the security of infinite campbell suit money <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it's all it's all excellent writing Oh my god. I, I hate him so much. No, no, and the whole like he turned them down. It's like he's yeah. the best. Oh my god. And, and they bring back the awkward language of referring to him as a transitioner again. Like he's the oh, best yeah. transitioning. It's like, shut up, guys. <laughs> like stop praising him and stop saying like you already have said terogenesis. Just use that word. Yeah. <laughs> like, you could be like a terogenicist. <laughs> <laughs> Your terogenesis instead of your transition. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's a transitioner. Your terogeneticist. Terogeneticist. There we go. That's a word. Um, but yeah, so he's he, they're gonna go try to recruit him again, which ugh. I mean, I feel like Colson would probably do the best job at any any of this anyway. Like, why doesn't he just go in there? Yeah, honestly, <laughs> absolutely. Sure. Well, it, I, I like it. I even see him integrating him him trying to deal with his, you know, prosthesis and his, his limb loss, like in the process, like, cause he does relate his, his experiences to people all the time. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, Hey, I'm trying to go through a change. It's not the same, but this has really changed my life. Plus I was injected with alien DNA once. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's not the same thing, but I could sort of relate. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I feel like, Oh man. I know. You know well, I, I get like why Daisy is in charge of this. Cause she is inhuman. And it's like, I get, I get why they would reach for Lincoln next, but Coulson has been doing this forever. Like when I even get like conceptually in the story, like we're supposed to believe from some of the stuff that they started uh, the previous season, I think that uh, that Daisy has both admiration and respect and like some has de- begun developing feelings for Lincoln. Mm-hmm. So her wanting to bring him in makes sense, but at the same time. I don't think either of us bought that. <laughs> well, she's so supposed to have feelings for him, right. but it's forced. <laughs> and it's not I, believable. I, 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 we know, we, we could read that that's what they were giving us, but it, like you said, it, it doesn't feel earned. It felt, felt forced. Like, the no chemistry. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it just feels like it's written on the page, not actually seen on the screen or felt by the actors. And again, this might be because Luke Mitchell is focusing all of his energy to not sound like uh, Paul Hogan. <laughs> like, to not sound I was like a just going to say that. I was just going to say he's focusing so hard on being American versus Australian. Don't say crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my horrible, horrible Australian oh my God. Like, parody idea. But. This is like totally like has nothing to do with any of this. But the other night... um. I had partaken in some substances oh, no. <laughs> it was on Twitter and there was this thread about um, monitor lizards in Australia, like guanas. They ha- there's a guana, like guanas regularly go up to people's houses and demand eggs. And then you like, <laughs> won't leave unless you give them eggs. And it reminded me of that cartoon, the rescuers down under. Yes. I love that cartoon. And there was a guana in there that was obsessed with eggs. The Joanna, the Goana. <laughs> I remember that. Oh my god! And awesome. um, so there was this guy that like brought up a Wikipedia article. I have to find it because I have to read this word for word because it. I was dying laughing, and it probably wasn't as funny as I thought it was, but it was at the time very funny. 
on one second. Well, I just like that, like, I don't know. I know I definitely understand that we all in America, we all have this like preposterous view of other countries for sure. But there Australia... are, and there are, are real differences. And Australia is largely rural and, and, you know, remote, but like, yeah. like there's a lot of places and a lot of people who have great distances and are spread out. But like the, the stories that I hear coming out of Australia with how they interact with their wildlife are just yeah. hilarious. The like the fucking lizards are just like, oh, we gotta do it. The, the lizards are doing their fucking intimidation scheme. Yeah, like, gotta give them eggs. <laughs> it's, it's it's like a goddamn like like mobsters like doing a, like their protection scheme at like a local market. It's People like people in this thread had videos of monitor lizards <laughs> eating eggs, like. It's so this guy so this guy quotes this wikipedia article and it says often victims in goana attacks are bystanders watching the person antagonizing the goana alarmed goanas can mistake standing humans for trees and attempt to climb off the ground to safety which is understandably painful as well as distressing for the human and then this guy goes i'm so confused about what i'm meant to do if i see someone antagonizing a goana do i start antagonizing too so i don't risk being mistaken for a tree no that's this is fascinating. <laughs> I know. It's, like this is maybe our best uh, digression ever. Like, like I've become, like, I forgot we were even talking about Shiam for a second. I was just like, this is amazing. Oh my god! No, no, you... no, and, no, and when you think about all of this and apply this to Luke Mitchell's performance, when you think that he grew up, he had to fear lizards that just demanded eggs, you know, whenever the hell they wanted. <laughs> That, that was always in the back of his mind. Like, like I get it. I, I sort of get it. Oh my god! Oh, we don't have those right. preoccupations. <laughs> we don't. We don't have to worry about like crazy, like koalas attack. Yeah. Well, that's that's like koalas are like vicious animals that like if you fuck with them, they like they seem like they're all relaxed because all they do is eat eucalyptus all day. But it's because they're getting high off of it. <laughs> like, like, they are. Like, like, like they're addicted to the menthol and the eucalyptus, and they will like. I, I read a thing like where biologists were like trying to see, or zoologists were trying to see, hey, can we like, can we basically rehab? Uh, you know, even these animals have been doing this thing for millennia. It's like, can we rehab koalas? Can we get them to not just you know absorb menthol? And like tried to like get them to, to wean them off or whatever, and they would just attack these people because <laughs> it's like no fuck you. It's like, yeah, I gotta get my fix. <laughs> all we were evolved to do is to, is to relax and eat eucalyptus all day and be adorable. No. And it's like and and like it's just kind of cool that that country is massive, very undeveloped, like like terrain, and they just apparently do whatever the animals say, which is kind it's, of amazing. It it's just. Like, it's so bonkers. It cracks me up. Every story I hear out of Australia that has something to do with an animal, I'm just like, oh my God, <laughs> you people are wild. <laughs> That's for the rest of this season. We'll have Australia digressions for yes. in honor of Luke Mitchell. <laughs> I'll be on the lookout on Twitter for weird Australian threads because that was excellent. <laughs> Most excellent. <laughs> I, I'm definitely looking this up. This is awesome. <laughs> I totally retweeted it and I, I like quote tweeted it. So if you look through my tweets, you I, can I, read I, the I, entire thread. It's pretty good. <laughs> um. So anyway, um, God, where were we? Oh, we, they're trying to get Lincoln to come back again, blah, blah, blah. Um, so Bobby has found the woman that was in the car um, when they picked up Joey. And um, we find out that the gun uh, was a DARPA prototype. So this is some type of government agency. And apparently she visits DARPA regularly. And then um, she t ends up taking a train alone in D.C. And so they decide to take this opportunity to get her alone and talk to her. So Coulson and Hunter go to meet her. And of course, she is way smarter than them and has them surrounded on the train. Um, and they have to hand over their guns and they're very annoyed. Hunter is very, very annoyed. And he's like, and we are outnumbered. <laughs> Just so you know. Um, we find out this woman's name is Rosalind. Um, her name's Rosalind Price. She is played by Constance Zimmer. And she knows a lot about Coulson already and S.H.I.E.L.D. And she says this line. She's like, you know, I've never been to Tahiti. To Tahiti but I hear it's a magical place. And Coulson's face is just like, whoa. How does she know about this? He's like, screw, screw you, lady. <laughs> Who told <laughs> Yeah, I know. And so she's going to detain them, him and Hunter, because um, she wants to know about what he's doing with these inhumans. She's like, where are you hiding them? And um, we go 
to Daisy and Mac, who they go to the hospital because Lincoln is working in the hospital now because he is a doctor and he's doing rounds. And he is like, oh, you guys again? Like, I'm not doing this. I'm not going back. Um, and he, ba- I mean, and this is a very interesting conversation because Daisy is like, please, we need you. We need you to help these people transition or I don't want to say that they, we need to help these people. Like <laughs> she does that. She does say it. <laughs> she, we need you to help these people come to terms with what they are, what they are now. And he is just super disillusioned because of Jaying. And he basically is like, what you want me to feed them lies like I've been lying to people for like most of my life. Every time someone has come through the mists and you want me to keep doing that. He's like, maybe we are monsters. Like maybe we don't deserve to exist. And it was just like, whoa, like that's, I mean, I get that. Like his mentor and his boss and this woman that like embraced him turned out to be a monster. <laughs> like I would be disillusioned too, but it was just crazy to see that from him. Yeah. It's it's sad because even though we don't have a lot of love for the character, like you do know that it's not it's not like just because Jia Ying was misguided and what she did was wrong that everything she told him was a lie. And he's like, yeah, he, he but but like you said, it's actually really relatable and understandable that any human being, I think, in his situation is going to the best second guess everything. You know, yeah. like, like like this is not this is not even an extreme scenario. You I know, know. It's not like killed himself or hate or then doesn't seem to hate you know daisy yeah. or other people like them he just doesn't believe in it anymore yeah and to be fair this is jaying's daughter like even though daisy was clearly on a, a very different side that jaying was on like that's still like a reminder of like what they've all been through just well, to have her inescapable association yeah absolutely so anyway, we find out um, from that Rosalind is in charge of making sure that these Inhumans are neutralized, whatever that means. She doesn't explain. And Coulson wants to know who she works for. And she's like, no, people work for me. Like, I don't, she basically doesn't work for anybody. <laughs> and um, she's like, um, we want to know, like, why you're killing them. And Coulson's like, wait, we're not killing them. We thought you were killing them. And they're like, we're not killing them. And so someone is killing these Inhumans and it is not either of so there's another party here. Um, and we go back to the hospital and someone starts messing with the electrical grid and they assume it's Lincoln. He's like, uh, it's not me. Um, and so they run out into the hallway and there is a literal freaking monster in the hallway who is like, where are they? And he's looking for Lincoln. And um, Lincoln and Daisy like try to fight at him and Mac shoots him. Nothing is helping. And so the freaking monster makes a hole in the wall and runs through it. <laughs> so this guy has like crazy powers. And um, it's really funny because like right after they follow him into the hole, Mac starts talking about he's like, I really need some more firepower. He's like, maybe a shotgun axe combination of some sort which i was like yes here yes, it comes slight slight spoiler for him but this is this is a premonition oh it's great i can't wait um and suddenly um on the metro rosalind and colson everybody's phone starts ringing and so they're like oh shit like something's happening and they both need to know about it so rosalind goes and answers the phone in another car and um colson's talking to her right hand man like hey it's just gonna keep ringing unless i answer it so he like uses this chance to like take his hand off his prosthetic hand off and get loose while the guy is like distracted getting reaching for Colson's phone and they him and Hunter get loose and they have this device that's like on the ground that like blows a hole in the side of the train and somehow everybody is fine they're just knocked out and Colson and Hunter are able to escape and Rosalind walks in and she's like oh shit they're gone um and back at the hospital, Daisy and Mac and Lincoln are searching for this monster, and he makes another hole through the wall, through, takes down Mac, and Daisy and um, Lincoln are, like, with their joint effort of their powers, are trying to take this guy down, and he just won't go down. He just keeps coming at them. And so Daisy quakes a hole in the floor, and the dude falls through the hole and gets away, and um, Lincoln, like, Daisy's like, come with us. Like, we can help you. We're here to help you. And Lincoln's like, my life is in ruins now. Like, thanks a lot. He runs off by himself. So angsty. <laughs> um, we go back to the playground, and Bobby and Hunter are in the locker room, and we find out they're okay. They're just being weirdos. Like, this was just a big fake out for us to think that there was something wrong, but they're actually fine. Um, and I guess Bobby asked Hunter to find her wedding ring or something and he found it and he has it and he's like talking about getting married again and she's like 
you think that's a good idea. So they're fine. They're they're okay. They're they're together. They're in love. Whatever. And um, Bobby mentions that you know when she said I can't do this anymore when she was basically on her deathbed, like post surgery, she meant like she can't pretend that they are not in love anymore. Like she wants to go all in again, um, which is really sweet. Like. I think that they were both just like in denial. I don't know. Their relationship is very strange and they've kind of gone both gone back and forth throughout all of second season. And it's nice to see them at a point where they're just like, okay, we love each other and that's all that matters. And we're just going to be together. Um, and we find out that Hunter is going to go hunt down Ward and Bobby wants in. She's like, you said you would wait for me, but she's not physically ready to be out in the field yet. And so Hunter's going alone. We find out because the president of the United States is giving a speech that um, Rosalind is part of a, it's called the Advanced Threat Containment Unit, so the ATCU. And it's this containment unit that because mankind is evolving, like we have to evolve with it, he gives this whole speech. And um, they're essentially in charge of containing the inhuman threat. <laughs> and um, Bobby had been working on this Terrigen disbursement simulation when they were talking about like the, the ecosystem and all that kind of stuff. And the simulation finally finishes. And as the speech is going on in the background, Coulson runs the simulation and the Terrigens have spread globally. It's like all over the place. So this is going to be like a planet-wide phenomenon that they're going to have to deal with. Um, in the meantime, Daisy brings Joey a beer down in his room, and he talks about how he had a secret for a long time, and he came out with that secret, and it was fine, um, which is it was kind of interesting to see him compare, like, coming out as queer um, with, like, coming out as an inhuman, and Daisy's like, this secret, the world is not ready to hear, which is a very interesting parallel um, because I feel like there's some places in the world that people wouldn't be ready to hear his other, his previous secret. So I don't know. Very interesting. Um, Fitz returns to the base and Coulson confronts him and he's like, you know, you can't keep doing this. Like we, like you've, you've, <laughs> you've hit so many dead ends and you keep you keep going, but at some point we have to stop. And um, Coulson mentions the mentions the PIM Technologies disaster, which we'll get to in a second. I'll let you explain that. <laughs> um, but he Fitz starts talking about how he thinks the monolith is this dark, dark matter made solid, and it's like a ripple in the space time continuum. And he um, is like, I'm I'm so close to figuring out what this is. And um, they open up the parchment that he got when he was in Morocco, and there is a single word on this parchment. It's in Hebrew, and it's the word for death. And Coulson tells Fitz that um, he's decided to go tell Gemma's family that she's been MIA. And um, it's really hard for Fitz to hear that. And Coulson's like, look, like I lost something too. And it ne it's never going to feel right. May went on vacation and never came back. Like we are barely holding ourselves together. Like we need you to be here. We need you to be here and not somewhere else that's probably a lost cause. Gemma wouldn't want you to continue like this. And Fitz is just like, okay. And he goes down to the room where the monolith is and he opens the door and he starts beating on the stone and screaming for it to do something. And it is so heartbreaking to watch him like this. Like this is, it was heartbreaking last season to see Fitz in the state that he was in and this is a whole other different side of heartbreaking to see him as like can they not keep doing this to us unfortunately i've watched a couple episodes ahead of you in the future and <sighs> i had slight spoiler for that no they will never stop oh god it's just so sad and ian decay sticker is an amazing actor like he just plays these scenes so well there's this like this intense desperation and also like he's like barely holding it together and he just he just has his big brain going like he has to solve this problem and he like and then when he finally decides to give up it's just like this quiet moment and you know he hasn't given up but he's just telling Colson that but still just oh my god no it's all it's all really well done for sure it's very well done but 
Um, it's good that he's not going to give up because the very end scene is that Gemma is alive and she's running and she is not on Earth. Like we pan back from the terrain that she's running on. It's like twilight and there's like, that is not the Earth's night sky. Like she is somewhere alien, which, oh my God, what when the fuck is everything, happening? Like the sky looks blue. Like it looks like yeah. whatever world they're on, like. Everything, all everything has a blue tint. It's very cool looking for sure. Yeah, for sure. But it's definitely not Earth. Just <laughs> crazy. Um, and that's the episode. Yeah, no, and it, it it was a lot of fun. Like it was a good uh, season premiere. I thought. I agree. It was like fast paced. It brought you up to date with, um, without being like just, just a bunch of dialogue. Like it was. I don't, it, it, there was like you know the new characters introduced were were great like the acting from all of the original cast was really amazing i mean it there was a lot of of telling us what's going on rather than necessarily showing us or whatever mm-hmm. but at the same time like it was done really skillfully like it was mm-hmm. like you said it was very fast paced it kept going from scene to scene so they were short explanations from characters and they were in uh, very organic and believable interactions between characters, like catching them up to speed. And then the little bits of action we got, like uh, Fitz's, you know, James Bond impersonation, you know, <laughs> or, like our playtime, as you were called, <laughs> wearing his dad's suit when no one else is home, pretending to be James Bond. And, uh, but also the, uh, the scene where what's Constant Zimmer's character's name? Um, um, Rosalind. When Rosalind, when she confronts, when she turns the table, uh, on Hunter and Coulson and everyone except yeah. for like maybe even the old lady. It seemed like she wasn't really participating. Yeah, I wasn't, real, up. I wasn't I really saying, sure about that either. <laughs> like, like, like after they showed the reveal where she's like, oh, we, we're actually spying on you and everybody pulls a gun. Like when it went back to that shot, I'm like that old lady in the very back right <laughs> corner does not have a gun pulled, which just makes me think, is she just there? And it's like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Like, they were supposed to get everyone out, but they did not get that lady out. Uh, I thought the exact same thing. I was like, is she part of this team? Or is she just, like, there hanging out? Like, oh, okay, do I leave? Like, do I ask to leave? Do I just sit here quietly? Like, what would I do if... <laughs> At first, I loved the idea that it's uh, actually someone on their team. And uh, what's the name of... Uh, Lindsay Finesca's character from Agent Carter. <laughs> it's, oh it's, it's Peggy's friend. She, she yeah, ended yeah. up recruiting her uh, oh after, the, after the season finale, or series finale. <laughs> and, and then she, uh, yeah, it's now that super old lady as <laughs> a shield spy or whatever. And, and, and that's it. She's a shield spy, so she's a double agent. <laughs> like, oh, she's she's my God. turning on them. She's actually working for goals. That is so, so much. So That's my best uh, headcanon ever. <laughs> it's amazing. But it's really funny that you noticed the old lady because I totally noticed that too and was like, what? What? Because <laughs> well, I, I was hoping that when they went back to the shop that she'd have a gun trained on her. <laughs> like, no. Nah. <laughs> Oh, that would be amazing. Um, all right. Let's – do you want to talk about the PIM particles? Because that's sure. like a really short – Yeah, the short. PIM particles, uh, June, I believe, maybe June 29th. But in June of 2015, Ant-Man came out. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure we're talking about that. <laughs> and yeah. we talked about it before the show. I mean, because of the S.H.I.E.L.D. involvement, they could even be talking about what happened – I, he says Pym Industries, doesn't he? I think so, yeah. Well, Pym Technologies. He, oh, yeah, yeah. He says the name of the company, so I don't think yeah. it's a reference to what happens to, as we always, you know, are spoilery for everything current with Marvel. Uh, it doesn't. It is a reference to the flashback stuff in Ant Man and Ant Man and the Wasp with, uh, with, with the original Wasp with with uh, Janet Van Dyne or Michelle Pfeiffer's character becoming lost okay. temporarily. I think it's a reference to like the more uh, recent. Events. All the stuff, basically yeah. just the origin of of Scott Lang's Ant Man, yeah, yeah, Yellow Jacket stuff going crazy and whatnot. Well, but that would be also like, wouldn't they refer to whatever his company was, Cross? Yeah, like, um. I don't know, but <laughs> I believe it is an intentional reference because of when this was made. It was made like probably when they, that movie had just come out. Like, mm-hmm. it feels like it's maybe the level of references we're going to get from now on at this yeah. point where it's just, we're going to make an offhand reference to somebody from one of these movies. Yeah. But I think it was referenced specifically in terms of the monolith. Cause they're like trying to just throwing out these different technologies of what it could be. Like it could be like a quantum realm thing. Like yes. A shrinking, but shrinking. Like, yeah. Like, and, and he said, but there's no evidence. Of- yeah. 
that was a really good there was a smart way to, to make a connection to a movie that just came out because it did feel like it was like, you know, we know she was teleported to an alien world, uh, you know, uh, fits something happened, but according to what they have record of, it's a reasonable guess for him to, to have thought, Hey, maybe somebody shrunk her and took her yeah. out. Of there or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Which is amazing. That this yeah. is like the conversations they have. If only they'd, they'd have met like a, uh, you know, magic users by now, they'd be, really freaking out oh my uh God. so i see on your short show notes you have a uh, ug lincoln which yeah. is totally true did we cover that already? i'm pretty <laughs> sure we did um we don't have to talk about him anymore <laughs> i'm sure we'll talk about him at length every episode that he's in this how much of what he does is in service of kookaburras <laughs> I wonder how many eggs he's fed his That's right. <laughs> oh, it's so now it's so bad now because want... anti-Australian, but which Mitch. <laughs> I really want now I want like a spinoff, like maybe just a skit. I don't really want a whole show because I wouldn't watch a whole show of this. But like Lincoln actually is like an undercover shield agent that's Australian. And he's like in the outback, like hanging out with his like pet guana, like zapping things with electricity. And that's just where he goes. And he leaves Daisy alone forever. <laughs> in peace. In peace. Let's do spoiler section because okay. I feel like anything else we might try to talk about has spoiler implications. Well, and there is a weird, I think, I don't think I really talked about it before because it, we were saving it for this. I could be wrong though, but uh, the character, it, it gets super spoilery to talk about the one new comic connection we have. Yeah. The um, monster, as I referred the to. The monster him. is from the comics, <laughs> and to really talk about how he's different from the comic version. Uh, an, an inhuman and he's part of a group called the tribe or the lore tribe and he's from Orlon in Greenland a, a, <laughs> a similar um, magical city like afterlife or uh, we, we talked about when I talked about afterlife uh, I think when, when it first appeared and, and maybe when we got the alien city uh, the, the Kree city we talked about Adelon so originally there was just one inhuman city all the inhumans were in Adelon and then when they really, really pushed in humans, which I've talked about several times when they were like, we can't do X-Men stuff and make all the money on it because some of it goes to Fox. So we mm -hmm. want to make them into the new weirdos that the society hates and whatnot. And they're happening everywhere all the time. So there was a roving Terrigen cloud moving across the earth that was transforming people who had any inhuman heritage. And they also revealed that, oh, there were secret inhuman tribes that lived in other cities. It had other names. It sounded like Adelon, like Orlon. <laughs> and, <laughs> and part of like the pitch was, it's going to be just like Game of Thrones. I mean, the modern day and also just like X-Men. And people were like, wait, what? That's too many things. <laughs> and literally the guy who, uh, I know you've uh, read some of uh, the run with art by uh, by David Aha, the uh, the Matt Fraction Hawkeye mm -hmm. run. Like mm -hmm. He was the one who they pitched to do it. I think he'd had a not super successful financially, but re relatively critically well received a, a lengthy Iron Man run, like right after the first Iron Man movies, yeah, uh, when it was really in the public eye and, and Marvel really liked him. They'd given him X-Men and were really pushing him. And they had, were like, he's going to relaunch the Inhumans into the first issue, uh, this big special and then quit. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I'm not doing this. I don't want to do this. And, uh, and kind of stopped doing superhero comics for the most part. Yeah. I think maybe he might be doing something at DC right now. I'm not sure. But it's like, for the most part, he does create our own stuff now, which mm -hmm. I, underst I understand. We've talked a lot about how crazy comics are. So much of that stuff is like weirdly dictated by editorial. So like, I can understand if you're just trying to write a story and someone's like, hey, could somebody's mom be their daughter from the future? Like, well, what? <laughs> it's like, hey. I didn't write this. It's like, you are literally writing. It's like, yeah, your name's going to be on it. It's like, I can see why people would quit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. but uh, the really weird part about this guy who's like, he's similar. He does have a similar like bit where he can teleport, I think, in both versions. And he, uh, he like, he takes energy from living beings, specifically, I think, in humans and he uh he judges them worthy or not worthy of being turned in human in both the comics and in the tv show so if someone he's, is not worthy he kills them and he's interesting i forgot how interesting his character was I'm excited. Yeah, he's, he's rough so yeah. he, he's credited as being created by matt fraction and uh joe matarera uh who is like 
uh, who is like really, really successful, like huge. He's still his creator owned comic battle chasers has never been finished. And like, he's like, I'm going to finish it someday. But he basically quit doing comics to do video game design at the top of his game and to just play video games. But like, like he, he's incredible. <laughs> like, like, but he, he drew X-Men at the height of its popularity and, and was like the first mainstream uh, U.S. artist to be like really successful and, and accepted in the superhero uh, genre who like was super, uh, anime and manga influence like he was he wore it on his sleeve he had no it was just like no i like japanese comics and cartoons like i don't really like american stuff <laughs> and and he he is a latino dude and just really great like he's just super excellent like super talented and they were like he's gonna draw uh the new inhuman series with matt fraction and sure enough just like how matt fraction quit he did the way he's done every big launch in the past like 20 years since he since he semi-retired or whatever where it's like they're like, he's going to do the whole series. And he does like four issues that come out of the course over the course of like eight months. And he's like, uh, I quit. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, like, this is not worth it to me. And I, I honestly, I, I respect it. I just wish that he and the company would stop pretending it's going to be anything else. Like just yeah. when they do it, just say like, he's going to create a bunch of characters and then quit. <laughs> and, and, and the first issues will be incredible. And then the rest will be good, you know. <laughs> but but, but uh, so he and Matt Fraction and Charles Soule, I mentioned before, are all credited on this uh, wiki as creators, I think, because Charles Soule might have finished his first appearance <laughs> in human number one. Like, literally, oh I think God. he'd written part of the issue and then quit, Fraction had. so. But because Manarera's art was so expensive, they had to just make it do with the pages that were drawn. Yeah. And, and but also start his own story. It's, oh my it's God, amazing. What a freaking mess. It really is. So he was created by those three fellas in uh, in Inhuman number one in June of 2014, about a, a year uh, and change ahead of this. And he uh, was killed in Black Bolt number 11 in May 2018. They're done with that guy. Yep. <laughs> they wrote him off. Uh, and yeah, the weird twist like the crazy twist that's the spoil that puts this in the spoiler section where usually we do comics connections right before spoilers is he's Dr. Andrew Garner. He's Ugh. Blair Underwood. He is uh May's husband or ex-husband, yeah. which is fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> like because in the comics, he's just just that guy. He's not a Hulk dude, he doesn't turn into a beautiful black man, he's just a crazy <laughs> monster with like porcupine hair. And in this, he looks the same for, like like honestly, he's pretty good, but like he doesn't look if he were in the movies, they'd make him CGI and he'd look a little cooler or whatnot. Cause like you, you look up a picture of him in the comics versus in the movie and, or the show. And he's like much more intimidating and impressive. It's basically yeah. that plus the Hulk, you know, he's like yeah. massive and scary and cool looking, but that's also just how bodybuilders are drawn in comics, you know, like it's like, mm -hmm. so I feel like they did a good job with their budget. Like it's pretty good. There's the, the shot where he leaves when he goes through like the wall, that's the exterior wall yeah. uh, to the hospital or whatever. That shot, it looked a little too symmetrical and like it was like carved out of like foam core, like that someone <laughs> just carved out a diamond shape with rounded edges to me. And like the, the first shot with it where I was like kind of taken out of it oh, because yeah. the special effects I thought were mostly pretty great. The other bit was uh, Lincoln's shitty powers when they were doing the quake effect, like the quake effect, whatever. It's not like the most impressive thing, but it's emanating from from a point. It's like it's like a, a, a radial vibration you know yeah. it, it's blurring things in a slight in a ring yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah emanating from a circle it's really very hard to fuck up lightning isn't as hard as it as it is you know in a lot of stuff they do it really well but in this it, it looks like he had some kind of weird like glow what it was like a like the christmas lights people have up in colleges like <laughs> through a filter was like just being pulled and like swung around and and the bits were joined like where it was coming from his palms were just a little lens flare in photoshop like there were tiny <laughs> little lens flares at each point where it started and i was just like this is bad and like the rest of the episode special effects and action were really good so those that little bit i don't think i don't think it's entirely because i'm extra critical of lincoln i, don't I was think just I'd gonna blame, ask that <laughs> i don't think i would blame the special effects artists that heavily but Maybe I they don't admit, like Lincoln either. <laughs> ooh, I like this hypothesis. I will admit that it probably makes me a little extra critical, but like, I don't know. I'm also, we've never been 
like overly harsh, but we've also never been overly kind to their special effects. I've made fun <laughs> stuff before. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a TV show. They have a budget. I get it. You know, oh, whatever. Yeah, there's constraints and they do a really good job with what they have. This episode didn't, none of it took took me out of it like as much as just knowing Luke Mitchell is uh, who he is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So in the notes, I have Fitz and Simmons. Fuck. And Rosalind and Coulson, fuck. <laughs> because if you'll remember, Rosalind and Coulson end up falling in love. I do remember that vaguely. Like, yeah. And then there's some tragedy that happens there. Um, they end up being on the same side because, yeah. like, as you said, like, she's harsh and whatnot, but they, neither of them are killing these inhumans. They're not, yeah. they're not monsters. There are government monsters we end up meeting later on. Yeah. But, but she's not one of them. Yeah. She's 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 a good guy, even though she's being posed as kind of the bad guy in this episode. Um, but yeah, um, that is we will talk probably at length about that relationship more um, as the season progresses. But uh, Fitz and Simmons. Um, my God, where do we even start? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh where do we even start where we what we haven't talked about on like every episode of season two because we know what's coming and now they're, just, they're doomed they're, yeah why are they so doomed all the time like it's so messed up um i we already talked about fitz's um ian ian's performance as fitz but i just oh my god like the two of them are such great actors. Like, why does Britain just have really great actors? Like, what is this? <laughs> like, what is in the gene pool? Um, but both of them throughout this season, just they're, oh my God, their journey is so heartbreaking and so amazing. And this episode really kicks it off, like how tragic and just frustrating their story is i mean it's been that way since season the end of season one but we're really getting into the weeds here with them <laughs> well, and and this is the this is the season and the storyline that really got me super into it like it was happening when people were talking about it that i was following online and when it kind of got right before it got to the part where this storyline really kicks into high gear where he gets Gemma back and she tells him her story yeah. and then at, uh, you know, and she's like, well, yeah, I fell in love with this guy who's still there. You know, yeah. and, you know, but but like also knowing that she and him were finally going to get a chance right before I that know. happened. And but she was like trying to get back to him to, to pursue that chance. But this just happened because of circumstances. But like the way that all shook out, like oh. and then that scene where Fitz, like where she's finished telling the story and Fitz just gets up. And like he looks like he's gonna cry, but then he doesn't, and just looks like not angry, but just like gruff, and walks over and starts like moving papers around in the lab or whatnot. And she thinks he's ignoring. She, she she thinks he's ignoring her, and it's like Fitz, you know, come on, you know, what like what are you doing? You know, what, 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 like like come talk to me or whatever. And he's like like hey, like what am I doing? Like I'm tr I'm getting him back. I'm I'm doing what I did before to get you back. I'm doing it again. Like this guy saved your life. Like, I don't care if it, it's breaking my heart. Like we're getting him back. And just that moment, it's just like, this is what a fucking hero is. You know, like, like it's, yeah. it's the same sort of stuff that Coulson and Mac, moments Mac has later on that like, just like our hero defining moments. And mm -hmm. like, I think like the characters who've gotten it most at this point are probably May and, and, and Daisy and, and, yeah. and Coulson for sure. But like, this is, we're getting those moments for both of them because we yeah. get to see her like, not that she's not been a strong character with, and you're not, and not that you have to do physical action shit to be a strong character that's not at all what i mean to suggest but seeing her go through this like robinson crusoe on <laughs> in space like lost in space bit like it's it is a, a this like, hardship and trauma that i think her character hasn't faced as much compared to every other character necessarily like like especially like, like we get some backstory with fits and whatnot like it feels like she's the one who's had the least shit when we meet them you know like yeah. Fitz had an abusive dad. Ward has everything. Ward, Daisy, and and Coulson and May have all had their fair share of traumas. But uh, you know, Mac has lost his, his child. We find out later on. Yeah. It, like, like, it's not to say. Like, like, I feel like of all of them, Jim is like the most sheltered. Maybe. Yeah. And this is like a fucking 
baptism of fire on in space and, right. and like like the twist that like like oh uh i don't want to spoil anything for the new episode for you but there is a mention of the this arc where fitz oh. brings calls into question <laughs> when did he turned into Hive. Was this before or after Gemma slept with him the one time she slept with him? Oh my God. <laughs> when he's like, the jury's still out on that one. It's like, whoa, wait a second. I've never thought about that before. I haven't either. Oh my God. No, no, that's, you have to think on some level. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's the, like, the, like that should never be something you throw in a partner's face. But if it might be a crazy alien and human Cree monster, you know, yeah. Thing. <laughs> like hive mind virus creature that tried to conquer the earth and other planets. Like you could, that's one thing you're allowed maybe to throw in somebody's face. <laughs> maybe. Oh maybe. God. Those poor babies. They've just been through so much. Yeah. So, yeah, literally, again, without spoiling anything specific, they still are going through like these, I don't know. They managed to make it a compelling story. Like it doesn't just feel like like they're repeating the same thing, and it feels like characters are moving forward and there's development, even though they keep getting ha- having the rug pulled out from under them. Like it's yeah. frustrating, but it's not like say on another very popular uh, superhero TV show. I know you don't watch um, uh, the Flash, but no, I on don't. the Flash, <laughs> like literally every <laughs> spoilers for the Flash. Every season until the newest season, the main character, Barry Allen, the Flash, has made a time travel mistake where he's like, I'm going to go back in time and fix things through time travel. And he refuses to learn the right lessons. So in the newest seasons, he finally is like, I'm not going to do that anymore. But you find you find out that the season that just aired and the season that was on before that, even behind the scenes, were all all these things were set into play by his daughter from the future who is going back in time. (laughs) to change things for the better or whatever. And he just is so like, like, Oh, this is cool. Like my wife and I get to hang out with our daughter from the future. And she's so cool and loves us. Like, and like thinks we're the greatest. Like this is so much fun. Like he doesn't send her back immediately and be like, this is a lesson I've learned over the past four seasons. Don't do this. Instead. He's just like, Ooh, this is cool. Let's do this oh, for a year. God. And it's like, what the fuck is going on? And sure enough, guess what? Spoilers. It ends in tragedy. She dies. She sacrificed herself. So you end up getting a woman of color who sacrifices herself for both her parents. But at the same time, it's like, gross. This is why I don't watch that show. <laughs> it's just like, it's like literally, you almost finally, after four <laughs> years, had the character learn, learn the one lesson he should have learned in this show. And he's like, I think I finally got it. And then his daughter's like, hey, you don't know me yet, but I'm going to be born one day unless I erase myself from existence, <laughs> you know, with by doing the same mistake. He's like, well, I don't think that my mistakes could possibly apply to my children. <laughs> like, seems fine. Like, like, it's just so, but it, that shit is frustrating on a narrative level. Yeah, because like, it's not clever. <laughs> and, and yes, the, sh- the decisions that Fitz and Jimma make contribute to their circumstances but they usually aren't the cause of them even in yeah. the end like even the most recent ones it's like the, the, you know the fits making decisions he makes and using you know daisy the way he does before he, evil fits dies and whatnot like like this, this shit like or not quite evil fits like <laughs> what damaged fit i don't yeah. even know what fits starting to becoming evil fits post framework fits yeah <laughs> like these characters like even that, which is fucked up, it's like it's still not quite the same as like, well, I'm just gonna do the same damn thing I always yeah. do. Like, like, well, that because that's been a progression over like four seasons at that point, where he has just like been through so much, and then the decision is based. It's coming from a bad place. You know what I mean? It's not just I. This is the same decision I've been making over and over again for seasons. I haven't learned. Right, <laughs> and like, and, and so often in superhero stories, and just in anything where. The characters don't really progress as much, I feel like, and the stuff mm-hmm. that's not serialized and is very episodic, like like that shit can become very frustrating. Yeah. I, like, I think I mentioned it on the show before, but like this is why I like shows uh, for when, when you're watching a sitcom formula because the basic sitcom formula is we pull the rug out from under the guy. Like the right before the hero, right before he, he or she or they like get what they want, oh, they fail. And the last minute it's hilarious. And like that's almost always the sitcom formula. And when the character is noble, like, or you're supposed to like them, it's very frustrating. And when the character is an a- is an asshole, 
I think it's super satisfying to see them be knocked down a peg. I think that's why Seinfeld was so successful and, and what was, why it's become like sort of become what it is. And it's, I've noticed it not as much recently because I haven't seen one in years, but when I nannied, I, 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 that was like the basic formula. It seemed like on a lot of those tween sitcoms, like if not the main character, the main character's best friend was just an unrepentant asshole who did whatever yeah. they wanted. Fine. When shit blows up in their face. But like it's well, well, like always, always sunny. But like when someone like Frasier or whatever, and yeah. you're supposed to like them after a while, when you see it is because of the decisions that they make over and over again, you're like, why do why why would what? for for me like it's no longer fun to watch a show where you laugh at, at someone you're supposed to like just causing all their own problems over and over and over again. It just becomes uninteresting at some point. Oh, for sure. And yeah. even with the repetition of bringing them close together and then pulling them apart. It is frustrating, and it, but because it's not it's done the exact same way, it doesn't feel like they're going through the same motions. It still, it still feels like a compelling story, I think. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and also there's just been character growth in both of them, like since the beginning. So it's not like it's these people are just static characters and they're just being, you know, pulled apart and brought back together. It's that as they're being pulled apart, they're going through things that cause them to become different people or just have character growth. And then when they come back together, it's like, oh, there's this new appreciation for each other. And then they get pulled apart because of circumstances outside their control. And they have to go through this other, you know, the storyline that causes them to have character growth. It's like, why can't, they? you know, like it's, it's not an uninteresting arc of like, I'm making the same mistakes over and over again in this relationship. It's like, there's there is individual growth. I'm super fascinated by this. Yeah. But like the way you put that just made me think like just of something that I've never thought of in that those terms before. But like like you you put it really well, but it made me realize like with those kind of sitcoms, especially, I think, but in just in stuff where I don't know, where there isn't as much growth and where it is really where the characters have to be stagnant. They they become more broad as time goes on. Yeah. Like you look at like all the characters in The Simpsons, or like Big Bang Theory. Oh yeah, the Friends characters. Yeah, like, the beginning Monica was a human. Yeah, you know, with with a personality. By the end, she's like OCD stereotypes. Everything yeah. has to be clean. And like literally by the end, Ross just screams at people like, yeah. all the time. Yeah, but but like the opposite is true of these like sitcoms or even dramedies. Like it can still be kind of comedies, but shows that have more of the dramatic elements or more of the serious stuff and, and just more development period. Like mm -hmm. a show like Brooklyn nine, nine or, or parks and rec, but are still, they're still sitcom, but have progression in both story and characters. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like those become more nuanced as we know them more and they're more developed. They start off from a broad comedic place, but they become more and more developed. And like when we got, Fitz and Simmons, they were literally, they're Fitz Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> One basic character. And like yeah. now they're super nuanced and like so well developed. And like tons of that, I think in all these cases, is a case of the actors being good. But it's also like on the cases where they become more broad, that's just a choice. Like, like a lot of those are good actors too that are capable yeah. of it. That's a like, writing choice. Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting. Like, like that's very yeah, that interesting. Is. Stagnant stories make characters more broad and nuanced stories make characters more nuanced. It's like a weird, relationship it i like weird. it though i know it's interesting um i think we'll end there because yeah. there's there'll be plenty more to talk about about this relationship in particular <laughs> as there's the season goes on um so where can people find you on the internet people can find me at i snow nothing uh get ready for ducktales content <laughs> <laughs> Um, and you can find me, <laughs> you can find me at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. You can find the podcast at Project Tahiti on Twitter. You can send us an email at projecttahitipod at gmail.com. I haven't checked our email in a while. I should probably do that. <laughs> I don't know if you have. Um, have we, <laughs> we are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, maybe Spotify soon. We're yes. not sure. And if you're a browser will, this listener, will happen. <laughs> it will, uh, someday it'll happen. Yes. Um, and if you're a browser listener, you can go on Podbean or you can listen to us at butwhythopodcast.com. Thank you all for listening to Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. Catch you later. Bye.
Um, and we go back to the playground. Oh, hold on one second. Okay. Billy? Hold up. I'll be right back. No problem. Oh my God, Billy came home and he's on the phone. I didn't know he was here, so I thought there was someone in my apartment. Jeez, oh, so that must be scary. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Who is talking? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm good now. <laughs> All right. Where was it? Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, um, I won't include that one in the outtakes. You can if you want, but <laughs> that just scared the <laughs> shit out of me. I was like, what the fuck? Um, all right. Black bat God. Like <laughs> collect myself for a second. Um Hello. Hi. <laughs> that was I weird. I only have I just went down from three bars. He sounds so kind of roboty. Oh no. Oh you yeah, sound okay now. My internet connection is not good. Like even though uh, hopefully it doesn't get too robotic. Yeah, you sound better now. Um, I'll try and be quick. Uh, um, 